Hello and welcome to episode three of GameSpot After Dark. I'm your host, Jacob Decker, and I'm here with Jean-Luc. Hello. Lucy James. Hi. And Callie Plaguey. Hello. Uh, it was, uh, it has been a busy week this week. There are a lot of reviews going on. Sure are. I mean. I don't know if we can say what they are, but. No. I'm, I'm sure people can put one and one together and figure it out. Uh, and one and one. <laughs> <laughs> one and two. Two and two. Two and two. Phrase. All right. Well. It's all Whatever. math. <laughs> I'm not good at math. I was never good at math. I like math. I liked maths. Oh, sorry. Math. Mathematics. Quick maths. Maths. Yeah. It's very, I can't say math. Yeah, because it's because mathematics. Math. Yeah. And so we always call it maths. You know, we, you know, more than one number. Mm. Mm. I always no. preferred maths. Wow. Math. <laughs> <laughs> See, we don't, we don't like math, so we keep it at one. Just one math. Yeah, one and one. In America, we don't we don't like doing math. One and one math together makes <laughs> math. John Luke, what have you been playing? <laughs> uh, I want to see myself out. What I've been mm, trying to think of things I can talk about. Uh, oh, I got my Destiny Two character cross saved, hey. so now Woo! I can play them on PC. Which, I got to do that before I go. Uh, which was uh, a bit of a process. Uh, like it just opened up today as of this recording, mm-hmm. and you had to go th- through this whole thing on their website. Of course, there's going to be some issues. It's the first day, but basically, you have to like authenticate each one of your accounts to say like, "Yep, this is really my account. I'm not like trying to steal someone else's Destiny account." Mm. And uh, every time you would authenticate uh, two accounts, and then you have to do a third one. It would unauthenticate the other one. Oh, that's a so it was this like weird game of whack-a-mole where <laughs> I'd be like, okay, like authenticate Xbox. Like, no, all right, now Battle.net's gone. And then I basically found like a weird, like, okay, if I authenticate Battle.net first and then Xbox and then Steam and then PS4, it'll work. How many copies of Destiny Two do you own? I only own two, but I think <laughs> it uh, <laughs> only. <laughs> I, so. So the reason Battle.net and Steam is because it's moving from Battle.net yes. to Steam. Yeah. And you had to like do all that. L- like link it together. Yeah. So it like but it asks you to authenticate to Xbox. I don't own it on Xbox. It just happened to be tied to my Bungie account because I think a oh. Halo. So it was oh. just like So you've authenticated your Bungie account. To, exactly. Yeah, so I don't actually own it on Xbox, but if I ever do, then covered. it'll be there. You've done all the legwork. Exactly. I will need to do it on all three if I want to play if I I don't have it on PC, so I would only need to do two. But I played Destiny One on Xbox, and I played Destiny Two on PS4. Oh, so you have to. So pick. I would have my Bungie account would have. Right. I mean, I'm I'm gonna continue playing on PS4 if I continue to play this game. I right. I have been so burned by yeah. the review process. Uh, that's understandable. <laughs> but yeah, you have to like actually pick which version you want to be your like main cross save account, and then right. the others get. Um, not like deleted, but just sort of like disabled. Left you, in the side. Yeah, you you can um re- like disable the cross save if you ever want to go back to those characters. But then you have to wait ninety days before you can do cross save again. Oh. That way, people don't like do any sort of weird like re-enabling accounts to try and game yeah. the system somehow. That's fair. This is like the first big example of cross save, right? Like, like mm. cross platforms, because there is. Cross. I remember there was cross save across like Vita Maybe and PlayStation. The biggest 4 and... one that I feel like people have been really asking for for a while. Yeah. Like I'm sure there's some yeah. games that have maybe done it out of the box. Maybe but... Fortnite's done it by now. Who keeps up with Fortnite though? I, the Fortnite I... does do it. Yeah, yeah Fortnite do. does it. Um... I mean, for me, it's like all my friends moved over to PC, 
a while ago right. and I was just so far on PS4 and I was like, I don't want to start over on PC. Mm. And that's kind of what got me back into Destiny is like finding out like, oh, I can finally play with them and they're actually going to run me through some of the old raids I've never done this weekend, which I'm really excited for. Nice. Yeah. And I really, it's like a minor thing, but uh, on PS4, because you could you could import your Destiny 1 character into mm -hmm. 2 and it actually like would acknowledge mm -hmm. that you play Destiny 1 and it would say like, hey, like, you did this raid on this day with these many oh, people. Oh, yeah, you get little, like, emblems or whatever. You get little emblems, and, and it the dialogue in the story, I think, actually changes a little bit to acknowledge that you played mm. Destiny 1. That's cool. Um, but obviously, that wouldn't happen on PC because there never was Destiny 1 on PC. So when I transferred over, I checked, and it still acknowledges that my character is my Destiny 1 character. Aww. And so it's like, that's very sweet. It's still the same character I made five years ago, but now on PC, and I think that's really cool. Oh, yeah. that actually is such a like a benefit that you wouldn't think of. Yeah, and yeah. it's like doesn't really change much, but it's like means something to me. Damn it! It's a nice acknowledgement yeah. of the time and effort you've put in. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I did that, and then I loaded it up, and I was like, "Yep, sure, it's my character on PC. Back to work. Looks nice." <laughs> I can't imagine the logistical nightmare backend wizardry that must have had to happen to make oh i know cross save possible the fact that they're also switching from uh a battle net to steam it the, i mean i it's impressive honestly and it's something that people probably don't know people are just like where's my cross save but i that must have been so tough oh to i know do. Oh, yeah. i was like a little frustrated this morning but like not really because it's like i know this is like a big thing yeah. mm -hmm. and it like of course it's not gonna work like of course yeah do you remember when, what's it called? Uh, SharePlay was a thing that Sony was oh, desperately yes. trying to make happen. Yeah. Yes. Do you remember the thing that happened with, I feel like it was a Destiny 1 thing where some kid um, became friends with or was playing online with a guy. And this I'm guy, already scared. Oh, and this guy was like, I can get this item for you. I can get oh, this weapon no. for you. And using SharePlay, he went in and he just like in, there's a video of it somewhere and you can just hear the kid crying because the guy's on the main screen like and he just deletes oh, this kid's no. characters. But the thing that always got me about that story is that the guy who did it, his um, PSN name was Kermit the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like, <laughs> but yeah. So, oh no! Yeah, that that's, that's that's the one thing that always springs to my mind whenever I think about Destiny is that I just remember watching <laughs> this, this video account of this kid oh. crying, and there was no way to recover his like. And this kid had put obviously so many hours oh in it; it's heartbreaking. Why and, would you do that, Kermit the Frog? Yeah, what a dick! Yeah. But I think I think he eventually did get banned because I think he tried to do it to a bunch of people. But it's the one thing I always think of when i think about destiny yikes yeah i kind Ooh. of forgot about share play that was a thing for all they were like you can play multiplayer you can play split screen with friends even if they're not there and i was like i even if they don't have the game or something because i remember, I remember. far cry 4 let you have keys to key rat and you could have friends play even though they didn't own the game oh yeah, yeah i do remember that and i all guess right. wolfenstein youngblood's done something yeah similar. yeah that's a little different though it's kind of yeah. like a like a Trial. I think DS games used to do that a lot, mm. where like you could oh yeah download play, play. like yeah, yeah. you could download play and you could play the multiplayer. That was really cool though, like with yeah. Mario Kart. That with Mario Kart, yeah. yeah. Mario yeah. Kart's the only one I remember because one person could have Mario Kart and everyone would download it and you could all race. Mm -hmm. But you had to play as Dry Bones, I think. You <laughs> play, yeah, you couldn't play as any of the characters. I'm pretty uh. sure you had to play as Dry Bones. I might be wrong, <laughs> but I oh, you feel would, like that you were told you were allowed to play <laughs> yeah. as Dry Bones. I have <laughs> yeah, no recollection of that, but Dry Bones is cool, so. Lucy, what have you been up to? 
Uh, so I know I'm a couple of weeks late to the party, but I finally started playing Fire Emblem. Yay! Um, and I'm really enjoying it. It's finally, there's a lot of systems. I know we've talked about it to death on the podcast, but like just my two senses that on all of the episodes of the podcast so far, in yeah, fact. Yeah. This could just be called the Fire Emblem podcast. And <laughs> I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. I've I mean, also been playing Fire Emblem, but I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. Which is why my TLDR is that I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I've picked Golden Deer. Yeah, uh, Golden Claude. Deer. Uh, best girl, best boy. We've asked everyone so oh, far. Oh, yeah, you so. have to answer. Best boy's Claude. Best girl, Marianne. Wow. Marianne, all right. I like her because she's awkward. She's so she depressed. Me of, she reminds me of me. <laughs> yeah. The bits where she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm such a burden. Oh, God. I'm like, oh, that's too real. You, like you can pair, at least in my game, um, her and Claude get paired up all the time because they're like a really good match. Yes. So just seeing the two of them always like, you know, at the stables or whatever and yeah. their opposite energy is like really fun. Yeah. And I, annoyingly, who's the guy who's like, trying to hit on all the girls all the time lawrence yeah it's i kind of hate him but i also kind of love him but he's also really useful in my party so he, he I... kind of i haven't finished the golden deer run but he kind of redeems himself he gets better yeah. he gets better i'm not sure if i'm sold on him most characters undergo that arc if you don't if you didn't like them they'll couple of them they still don't like marianne though sorry lucy oh, it's okay. <laughs> whatever um <laughs> Can I share something that's been stuck in my head since I've been playing Fire Emblem and I think only Lucy here will appreciate? Always. Is this but a vine? No. Okay. Is it a TikTok? No. <laughs> <laughs> These are the basic good, tenets of our humor. Good, good guesses, though. No, I've been uh, with Lawrence. The only thing that I can think of with him is Lawrence is good at piano <laughs> because of School of Rock and it's ruining my, my life. Oh. <laughs> uh, Callie is the only other person I've met who uh, knows the complete School of Rock. Um, we pledge allegiance. Uh, we're not going to do the whole thing. We're not going to do it. But we do it in the office sometimes. The, um, I pledge allegiance to the band. The yeah. I, we can do it, but we won't. If yeah. you, you can write in. If you want us to do it, we'll do it next mm. week. <laughs> <laughs> so other than Fire Emblem, uh, Tamor and I actually went down to LA on Saturday to go to the Atlas Art Show, which was very cool. That is, it, the photos are so good. So I had no idea, I don't think Tam had any idea that it was gonna be, cause they, were, they did a Yakuza one last year to announce um, Kiwami, Kiwami 2. Yeah, Kiwami 2. And so I didn't realize how big of a deal it was gonna be. And they had um, Sojima-san, you know, the character artist from Persona mm -hmm. there. We got to chat with him for a while, he's very nice. Very nice. And just see some of the cool art from Persona 5 and Catherine and Catherine Fullbody. And man, that is some stylish, stylish art. I actually bought a print oh. and, I, and I, I went into it and I was like, I'm not going to buy anything. <laughs> I don't need it. And then I, so I, I live with uh, my roommate is very big into Ghostbusters and Superman. And so <laughs> all the, uh, it's so weird. You're just casually referring to Greg Miller as your roommate. <laughs> Hi, Greg. Um, and so like on our on the wall in my bedroom, at least, I just have a ton of Ghostbusters stuff and I have some uh, like <laughs> Superman uh, stuff that, you know, is like is a, a Jim Lee original drawing on my wall of Superman. I was like, oh, I wish it was Batman, but <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool, but it's it's not, you know, my stuff. It's not like, mm. it's not Batman, it's not D.Va. Although I am gonna, I have bought some frames to frame the lovely <gasps> D.Va prints that uh, Callie bought me for my birthday. Yay. And so I wanted some art and then there was this gorgeous Joker um, print where he's putting on the mask and stuff. And I was like, oh my God. 
And so I bought that, managed to get it back on the plane with me. Um, but yeah, it was a really cool day. Um, they did, um, there was cosplayers. They announced the release window for Persona 5 Royal in the West, spring 2020. 2020. I went a bit American there. My accent's drifting. 2020. 2020. <laughs> uh, Tamor rightfully calls me out whenever he notices that my accent drifts. You shouldn't, because it's, it's going to happen to him soon, I know, too. I know. Or I'm you waiting. guys could keep each other British. Yeah. One of the two things could happen. Yeah, have like a British hour where you guys just hang out and talk to each other for an <laughs> yeah. hour, but be as British as about possible. About the queen. Yeah. About yeah. Brexit. Or like, I could come in and be like, oi, just oi like go mate. see, oi mate, oi slag, whatever Pokemon battle. God, Sword and Shield is going to destroy or rebuild the United Kingdom. Oh, <laughs> we will get there. Don't worry. Uh, but yeah, they had the Big Bang Burger. They had little Morgana parfaits that were very good. Very oh. sugary. Did you have the burger? No, I didn't have enough guts. Hey. All right. Well, so well. um, I know it was a nice little fun day out and I played Fire Emblem for on the journey for as long as my Switch allowed me to, which was approximately two and a half hours, which sucks. That and game. I'm considering upgrading my Switch. I feel like that game was like a psyop kind of thing to to make us upgrade because Fire Emblem trains the battery so hard. I, Harder I'm than surprised. any other game. Yeah. It's like, it's really... Just wait for The Witcher 3 on Switch. I imagine that'll kill it so fast. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I'm like, Nintendo, did you do this on purpose Apple style to make us upgrade? Uh, <laughs> uh, and other than that, I finished Mindhunter in two sittings. Oh, I wow. watched four episodes and I watched the, the others. That's um, going to be me this weekend. It, we can talk about it next week. I'm so excited. Yes, please, because it is phenomenal. Better than season one. Because the annoying <sighs> girlfriend is gone. Yeah. Hated her. Oh, so excited. Callie, what about you? What have you been up to? Um, this weekend, I it was my birthday, and coincidentally, it was also the Pokemon World Championships. So I got to go. It's to the... so nice of them to put it on your birthday. <laughs> <way. laughs> no, I got to go to Worlds um, for my birthday. So that was in Washington D.C., which I'd never been to. Mm. It's extremely hot there. Oh, really? It is so hot there. I have no concept of temperature in America so, because this country's so big. Yes. So I was talking to Will Potter. Um, last week when everyone was here for the summit and he was like, have he's our fun. social producer. Yes. And he's, he's a very good Pokemon boy. He mm -hmm. likes the TCG, the trading card game. Um, whereas I like, I pay attention to the video game um, competitive. So we've been like swapping tips and like talking about it. We're like going to teach each other each other's game and stuff. It's going to be fun. Aww. But anyway, he was like, have fun in DC. And I was like, I will. It's going to be really hot. And I say that because I, I really hate being sweaty. I hate it so much. Same. Oh, my voice broke there. I <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, what? It was like ninety six mm. and humid, eighty percent humidity yep. or seventy six percent. So ninety six for me, that's like what thirty. Oh yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. So this was the hard thing is I was trying to explain to Will how hot it was going like to be, but I don't know what it is in Celsius. Yeah, like thirty seven ish. I think, I, think so. I think forty is about hundred. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That it's, checks out. Oof. I believe you. That sounds and, awful. And so he was like, "Oh, I thought the East Coast was supposed to be cold," and I was like, "Well." In the winter, it's cold. It's like extremes, so it's hot. I was like trying to explain climate. It was a whole thing. Anyway, because the, the UK doesn't have weather, like extreme weather. Right, you guys are just kind of like it's rainy, rainy. <laughs> kind of like San Francisco. It's, yeah, yeah. I guess occasionally it gets really hot, but I'm surprised we haven't really hit that. Or I guess we did, but I think I was gone when it was like E3, 95 E3 degrees. time yeah. was pretty hot. But anyway, um, Worlds was really fun. I I go every year. This was my fifth world mm. i think i started going in 2013 when it was in boston um 
so got to explore DC. Uh, it was all like museum themed Ooh. because it, they theme it to the city. So like in Boston, it was Patriot themed and the Pikachu had like a little like tea hat. Themed. And like, oh yeah, next year's gonna be next year it's in London. I'm I was gonna very say ne- actually next year it'll be T themed. Yeah, it's gonna be T themed in Boston. Oh, the tea party. I get it. It's my one bit of um, <laughs> yes. Boston. The Boston knowledge. tea party. Yes. Um he had like a little powdered wig, the Pikachu. Oh that's so cute. Yeah. I have it. I, I get the Pikachu every year. Um this year it was like he had he has like a binoculars. Binoculars? Binoculars. <laughs> and he's wearing like an explorer's cap anyway um so the- <laughs> it's fine it's fine get my binoculars <laughs> get my binoculars and go see the government um so the the stage had like um like fossils like mm-hmm. museum style fossils of pokemon so oh, it was cool. shield on oh. and um the the T-Rex one whose name I always forget. I don't you, remember. Uh, <laughs> T-Rex. Guy. I have an app for this, but I'm not going to take the time to do that. Um, so anyway, getting to the actual event, um, I really like watching the... the... It's 4.23 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Especially got Siri right there. It Siri. is 4.23 p.m. Thanks. Man, by missed it by three minutes, too. Yeah, that would have been so funny. If it was 4.20, I would just... That's it. Yeah. We're done. So anyway... Um, they had, you know, the, the basic structure of the event is like the first day, Friday, they do like opening ceremonies. They make some announcements. This year they did like a whole uh, sword and shield announcement, but geared towards the competitive scene. So I'm going to have more on that on GameSpot, probably by the time this podcast is published, just more information nice. um, and context into like what they announced because it was super like they really geared this toward the competitive players and i think if you're watching that trailer it had like galarian wheezing's ability it had some items if you're watching that as somebody who doesn't play competitive or doesn't follow it it probably doesn't seem very monumental mm. but it were like people were like cheering and yelling like it was it was really cool um and then they had a pokemon go invitational and i was kind of like what is that gonna be because the event is typically the video game the card mm-hmm. game and then pokin now yeah then they were like, okay, we're going to have Pokemon Go. And I was like, Pokemon Go could not possibly be that deep enough. To didn't didn't one of the competitors like rub through the glass on his phone because he played so Are much Pokemon serious? Go? Yes. So like, yeah. not, not during the event, but no. this was a no, thing that I had mean, happened. Like, what about how... that gorilla glass, man? Yeah. yeah. So the Pokemon Go com- competitive is um like 1v1 battles. Which I... I got back into pokemon go recently and i have never done it's and i live with two people who are so into pokemon go they get up at like 6 a.m yeah shout out to andrew goldfarb he it's it's his fault that we all it's yeah anybody who pays attention to pokemon go it's because him um but it was (laughs) anyone anyone (laughs) in the world anyone in the whole world (laughs) you can thank andrew goldfarb niantic (laughs) but um it, it was so weird to watch because they're doing a lot of swiping. There's more to it than I thought. It's actually a lot deeper than I thought. And um, Aaron Zhang, who has been commentating the video game for years, I interviewed him when he was still a player back when he was like 17 at my first Worlds. Um, he's been a commentator for a while. Mm. He commentated the Pokemon Go matches and like they were giving a lot of insight. It was also Trainer Tips, who does YouTube videos on Pokemon Go. So that was really interesting. It was like... We were like super tired because we flew in on a red eye from here, but um, it was more than I expected, but it was also like very clear that a lot of people there were like, 
get to the cards. Apparently there was a proposal that I missed, oh. but there was a big Pokemon Go proposal or not Pokemon Go, a Pokemon proposal. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the main thing about the event is really cool is it's people of all ages. You see parents who, who played Pokemon, who got their kids into Pokemon because Pokemon's been around for that long. Yep. Um, you see like older brothers and sisters teaching their younger siblings how to play yeah um the kids table so there's like the juniors league and that's like elementary schoolers basically who play and compete and they're like really really good at the game it's so amazing watching their matches because Mm. they are doing like stuff you would never have thought of Mm. you're like wow that is what was that that a is a six-year-old. A lot of them bring their lucky plushes with them. That's so cute. All of the players, like regardless of age, most players bring a lucky plush. And so my favorite, the highlight for me was in the finals, Umbreon made it in. Mm-hmm. And the thing you need to know about competitive Pokemon is that like it's really narrow. There's not a lot of Pokemon that people use. So in that meta, it's like you have a lot of teams with the same core Pokemon. Incineroar <laughs> is insanely popular. Like right. Incineroar is on every team and they don't like Incineroar, so this is super annoying. But this player, um, he's the he was the Japanese national champion two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, super, super hardcore. But he had an Umbreon on his team, and I was overjoyed because Umbreon's my favorite Pokemon. Aww. And I have wanted to use Umbreon in a competitive set for a while, so it was really exciting. Like, oh, I could actually use Umbreon, and Umbreon's viable in this format. Um, that's going to change with Sword and Shield. I'm very excited about Sword and Shield competitive. I think it's going to be really exciting. I think it's going to be more accessible. Mm-hmm. It seems like... It's something that more people could get into. One of the things that they detailed during the announcement was um, you can rent teams Ooh. in the game. So you can go to like the battle tr- tower or whatever the equivalent. I forget what it is. You go to battle. You can rent a team that somebody else uploaded. So you could practice with oh. a, oh, a pro cool. team. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So well, John Luke and I already talked about this. You're going to give us a uh, Pokemon competitive 101 strategies oh yeah that comes out mm-hmm. i'm totally gonna give lessons my 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 should make, the, make a video series yeah i oh, would yeah. do it the thing i'm most excited about is galarian wheezing everybody saw it because he looks like a bong right yeah and but his ability that they they showed off during opening ceremonies uh is to blaze it to <laughs> <laughs> it, it's called neutralizing gas i think and so blazing it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it um it uh, cancels every ability. So oh, wow. any Pokemon's ability, until Galarian Weezing is not on the field, uh, all abilities are moot. So that's extremely powerful because mm. it, like Incineroar is super popular because it, its ability is Intimidate, which lowers attack when right. it switches in. So if you had Weezing out there, like Incineroar's, like one big part of why people use Incineroar is canceled. The thing that's going to suck, though, is that wheezing sucks, and now we're going to see more of wheezing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of curious to see what his stats are, because if his stats are really bad, then no one will use them. Yeah, is it possible that that ability could be on other Pokemon as well, or usually are they pretty specific? Because I know um, Intimidate is on multiple Pokemon, but there are some that have very specific abilities, right? There are some Pokemon that have exclusive abilities. It seems like this is like Galarian Weezing's exclusive ability. Oh, okay. but well, I'm not using them because I don't like gla- I don't like wheezing. I don't like Galarian wheezing. Whatever, not a fan. How much do they uh, change abilities and um, stats of Pokemon after release? Um, once a Pokemon is made, its stats are pretty consistent. Right. So, like, if you're looking at something like 
you know, like we know Pikachu has like middling stats or or like Jolteon has really high speed. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that's pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Once Pokemon has an ability, it doesn't really change over the generations. They added like they have hidden abilities, mm-hmm. which are harder to get. And but like in Mike's experience, I don't think they've really changed a lot of things. Mm-hmm. They just add new Pokemon. Yeah. So, yeah, that was it was a, it was a whole lot of fun. And we also went to the 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 Natural History Museum, and the coolest thing there was the giant sloth fossil because giant oh. sloths were so big. It was like three times the size of a bear. It yeah. was so freaking big. There's one in the National History Museum in London, and I remember just walking around a corner and going, "Oh my god, it's huge, it's huge, massive." Jake didn't know that giant sloth. I didn't know it was a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't think there was giant sloth. It was like three times the size of a bear. And like, sloths already move really slow. Like, how slow did like it? It it blew my mind really. Yeah, like I just imagined a giant sloth being just as lazy, just big. Don't they hang on trees? What kind of tree could it hang on? I wonder if there were massive trees. Well, I think giant giant sloths were ground sloths. I'm pretty sure. Isn't it the thing about sloths is that they hang out in trees (laughs) until they need to poop, and then they climb all the way down and poop, and then go back up. I think I that, saw that in Attenborough. I mean, hey, you're not, not going to poop where you sleep, so that makes sense. <laughs> I, I do want to say the highlight of the museum this is not about Pokemon. The highlight of the museum was the um, marine dinosaurs Ooh. part where they had a whole thing. I think it was the plesiosaurus, and it was uh, just a big display that said gape and suck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, upon Sorry, further... Sorry, what's it called? Gape and suck. No, no, no. Suck. What's the name of the... <laughs> The creature. Plesiosaurus? It's a plesiosaurus? Wow. Oh. Um, Nature, it, you nasty. Yeah. I, upon further inspection, it was describing how the, the uh, ancient creature inhaled, kind of like a whale does. You know how whales yeah. just inhale krill or whatever? Oh, yeah. Um, like that, but they specifically called it the gape and suck. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that was fun. Well, I can finally talk about The Witcher 3 on Switch, which Woo! I played three hours of, two hours of. I've talked about it twice now on this podcast, but once it got cut and once I wasn't recording, so. <laughs> oh. uh, Growing pains. <laughs> I know, right? But uh, yeah, I played around three hours of The Witcher 3 on Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never released date, which we didn't have when I played it, October 15th. It is pretty damn impressive. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I, mean, I watched the footage and it just it, it's a bit murkier. So it's not ideal. Yeah, I would say that if you've never played The Witcher or like like you want to play probably on console, you want to play on PC, but the fact that you can take The Witcher three with you anywhere on a Switch, even though the battery probably won't last long, uh, is pretty unreal. Yeah, I mean, God, I couldn't even imagine playing something like that handheld. Like, like that that go. that has to be the biggest game. Switch is really like in terms of size, like that. That's, I mean, I think in terms of scope, I would say I was surprised when something like L.A. Noir, even though that game came out in 2011, yeah, that was what three discs, like Skyrim, even, yeah, right? Like L.A. Noir is what three discs on, yeah, I think it was two or three discs. It it was a huge game, it was because all the the motion capture took up a ton. And Witcher, I think, is it's gonna be on a 32 gig cart, which I think are the bigger cartridges for Mm -hmm. the Switch. Um, but yeah, I, I, the biggest thing is that, that I found is that it ran consistently across all the different areas. So no matter 
where I went, it seemed to run pretty consistently around 25 frames a second. Uh, handheld 540p, but it does the resolution does adjust depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then docked, it's 720. And, and I feel like docked is probably the worst way to play because you might as well just play on PS4. Yeah, yeah. You might, it, it, like when I was playing Xbox on docked, one. all I could think about was how much better this would look on my TV if I just hooked up my PC, hooked up my Xbox One X, PlayStation 4 Pro. But but hey, if you don't have those options, I mean, still. Still a good way to play it, it seems. But yeah, handheld is pretty cool. I, like, I still can't wrap my head around the fact that that game runs like it does on the Nintendo Switch. That is very... I felt the same way about Skyrim, even though Skyrim is is older than Witch 3. Yeah. Um, I have two things. Okay. One, really excited to finally be able to play Gwent on Switch. Mm. <laughs> That's all I really want. Mm. I'm so, I'm amazed they haven't ported like Thronebreaker to Switch yet. That just yeah, seems the actual card game. game. The actual like updated Gwent, not the like super broken Gwent in Witcher. Yeah, 3. and I imagine if Witcher Three does pretty well, uh, I, I imagine that'll be something yeah. that happens eventually. I love Gwent. Second thing, how did Bathtub Geralt look? Pretty good. So all of the dialogue <laughs> and mm-hmm. cutscene stuff looked really well. Some of it was had been rendered before, and they probably adjusted it to make it uh, work well on Switch. Mm-hmm. But the, the actual conversations, like all the all, all the facial details, the 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 animations were really good. The only thing was some of the textures on the clothing uh, looked a little looked a little weak. But like that's to be expected, right? Yeah, yeah. it's a trade off. Lighting looked a little flat. I feel like the, in some stuff it did, but also the lighting looked really good too. Yeah, no, it, it just looked flat in some of the indoor stuff. But like when you mm-hmm. were walking around in like the mm-hmm. the marsh, that yeah, all looked really good. And and uh in a in white orchard too when you first start because it's you like Geralt wakes up and it's the middle of the night and then by the end of the dialogue it is early morning right and then you get on your you get on roach and ride through and you see the sunrise and i was like holy shit the lighting still looks incredible Mm. but but bathtub Geralt. but bathtub (laughs) Geralt still pretty good you can see all the details (laughs) on the scars and all that kind of stuff yeah (laughs) how was the ui because um, a big thing with Switch games is they don't adjust the UI, so it like like Fire Emblem, like the text is like really yeah, small when small. you're on handheld. Mm-hmm. And at least from what I looked at on on the footage, it looked like it was maybe a little scaled up, but still, I was like, I can't read any of those like button prompts in the bottom corner or anything like that. So yeah, that was that was a bit of an issue uh, because. I don't know if you played The Witcher 3. Well, you've played The Witcher 3 recently, Lucy. I have. But there's a lot going on with the HUD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like your adrenaline points, your health, your mm-hmm. stamina, your what potions you have equipped, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that was kind of hard to read on that smaller screen. However, like the console games, uh, I was actually watching Digital Foundry's video and they went into the settings and it looks like you can like tweak the HUD, adjust oh, the okay. size, yeah. which is something you could do in the in, in, in the standard version. So that's good. I don't know how in depth that'll get or how much it'll help. Like maybe they've tweaked it a little bit for Switch, just so you can make it even bigger. So, so that remains to be seen. But yeah, it was it was a little bit difficult. But at the end of the day, like I said, it was. I'm I'm I still have trouble wrapping my head around the fact that that game mm-hmm. is on Switch. I'm probably gonna buy it just so it's like I've have it on switch i don't even yeah, know how much yeah. of it i'll actually play <laughs> it, it'll be one of those games that you buy because oh man of course i need this on switch and mm-hmm. then don't play but i'll probably actually play and then it. actually play it on like pc again yeah <laughs> did you guys know About. that sony bought insomniac 
Yeah, Jeff Keeley announced Thanks it. I know. To Jeff. <laughs> he I know. broke the news <laughs> in the middle of his show. Yeah. I saw a tweet and I want to say it was Imran, formerly of Game Informer, which we'll talk about, but uh, saying like the gist of it was if I didn't work in this industry and it wasn't my business to know which companies own which developers, mm. I would have thought Sony owned Insomniac. Yeah, that's, I know. that's yeah. what I was going to bring up because they they did Ratchet and Clank, they did Resistance, two games. One game is synonymous with the PS2. One game, and Resistance is probably not synonymous with the PS3, but that was a launch title. They made three Resistance games, uh, and I remember when they they announced Sunset Overdrive as an Xbox exclusive. exclusive. Everyone was like, "Wait, what? You guys brief, can do that?" A brief dalliance, yeah. with uh, Xbox there, mm-hmm. and then they've also done some uh, Oculus games as well. Uh, I don't know if they've done any PSVR. I think they may have done one. Oh, I think that sounds familiar. Um, However, we can't continue talking about Insomniac without, without mentioning Fuse. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Curveball that right there. That was all platforms too, right? Well, was... I thought you were going to go with Spider-Man, but you went with Fuse. No. All right. Yeah, that game was oh, God. something. Yeah, Jennifer Hale was in it though. Yeah, she that? was. I remember mm-hmm. that. I don't remember much else I don't remember game. anything else about that game. <laughs> I remember playing with like a friend and we were just like yeah this this ain't it this ain't it about chief. this one but then spider-man uh, and then spider-man which sold what 13 million copies or something it's like ridiculous the, like that yeah. most selling playstation game of all time or which, something like that is it? i think yeah. so it was it's, something ridiculous yeah. something which baffles me but at the same time it doesn't because it's spider-man and it's a very good spider-man game mm. very good but still i was like really not not like one of the naughty dog games or something like yeah. that spider-man uh so it's not surprising, but it also is kind of surprising that they finally bought them out. Do you think it was in reaction to uh, Microsoft buying everyone else? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Going to steal Insomniac from us. I mean, I would. I like Sunset Overdrive. Yeah, I would be very interested if that conversation happened. Insomniac owns Sunset Overdrive. So originally I was mm-hmm. like, oh, no, I'll never get a Sunset Overdrive 2. But I guess they technically own that IP, but... Oh, like it was Xbox exclusive, but Xbox doesn't have the rights. Yeah, like like Titanfall. Or <clears throat> so right. I guess technically Sony now owns the rights to Sunset Overdrive, which is I weird. Can't imagine Sony would ever want to do anything with that. Though. <sighs> I know. I really like that. I feel like Sony <laughs> would be like, nope, you, Microsoft. It's it. People think of Microsoft. We're not doing it. Yeah. <sighs> Man, yeah. that's cool though, because that game was good. Mm, yeah, game yeah. was really good. It's definitely it's. Definitely not surprising, but also when I heard the news, I was kind of like, whoa, <laughs> like it was this weird yeah. dichotomy of being like, that's big news, but also being like, oh, but it makes a lot of sense. Also yeah. business as usual sort yeah. of in a yeah. weird way. Well, I think the last big acquisition that I can think of was Sucker Punch in 2012, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah, been a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel it. I mean, there may have been smaller stuff here and there, but that was the last big one that I remember. So they... and. I mean, Microsoft desperately needed first-party studios. Mm. Sony had plenty, as we saw with the PlayStation 4, with all those great games that have released over the years. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, cool. Yeah, Spider-Man 2. <laughs> Got to be sooner. Well, not going to be in the MCU, is he? Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. The, that's the thing, is like... Now the best Spider-Man... I actually really like I, I I legitimately think the Insomniac Spider-Man is maybe my favorite Spider-Man of like all yeah. of the recent like movies oh, Spider-Man and characters Spider-Man, like yes. character versions of Spider-Man from movies. I've Peter been, Parker. Yeah, Peter Parker. I've been keeping up with the comics so I don't know mm. how those Cuz a been. lot of people would argue Miles from 
uh, Spider-Verse might be the Also best. very good. That is true. Yeah, that is true. I really liked Miles Morales from yeah. Spider-Verse. Yeah. 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 That movie's just good. Except the only thing wrong with that movie is anime Spider-Man. Oh, Penny? I did not like. That was not correct. About that. <laughs> yeah. It was not... It was not a correct representation of anime, in my opinion. There, was there was a really good thread that kind of like broke down like the ways that they could have done it better in terms of just like how they animated yeah, it. I mean, and, like the animation, stuff. the animation in that movie. This is a quick tangent. <laughs> the animation in that movie is uh, is really phenomenal until you get to that, and it's kind of like, oh, you guys have you never watched an anime or mm. anyway, whatever. It's fine. I won't talk about animation anymore. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, on to some somber news. Mm. Uh, is it six or seven people? Seven. Seven people mm. got laid off from Game Informer just Monday, right? Or Tuesday? Tuesday. Yeah. Mm. Tuesday. Uh, which we, we had dinner with Ben Hansen and Surreal. Yeah, uh, Surreal Vasquez. Vasquez uh, a couple days ago. And they were talking about this meeting. And I don't know. It was, it was a bummer. I... Yeah, my heart's out to those people, and I hope they're able to bounce back. Mm -hmm. It really sucks because a lot of really talented reporters and writers mm -hmm. were oh, yeah. were in totally. that layoff. Uh, Imran, who's a fantastic reporter, Suriel is incredible with fighting games. Super knowledgeable about fighting games. Um, and it, I mean, that's you know not to. I just those are the ones I know the best. Mm -hmm. Um. But everybody there is really talented, so it just sucks a lot. Yeah, and it kind of it speaks like so. Game Informer as a publication, it's the website is more widely known. I would say in the UK, we don't get the magazine, but oh. it is still very much a huge name, and it's very sad to see so many people go from it in one fell swoop. Yeah, didn't I think they shut down the Australian? Yeah, Australia was yeah. first uh, a few months ago. Yeah, um, it. Yeah. But it, I mean, it came from GameStop, right? Yeah. The mandate. And they got mm -hmm. rid of, I think it was 100 people or something. Yeah. Across all their different departments. And I think yeah. that's like the second round of layoffs they've had this year too. Like GameStop oh. in general. I think I think they got rid of a lot of managers a couple months ago or something like that. Yeah. yeah the managing editor got, got laid off mm -hmm. for Game Informer. Yeah. And if you didn't see the editor-in-chief, Andy, I believe it's McNamara. That's yes. how I would pronounce his last name. Um, put out a... a statement about about it addressing it oh i didn't see the statement. i saw he he just kind of tweeted an ellipses yeah That's he's I saw. he's since posted something on the site mm. um about like who was let go and um what happened and what gamestop's official statement is on that Ugh. so yeah i i wish like i wish we were hiring <laughs> you know like i wish yeah. i had yeah. something to offer them um besides like Maybe you could do a review, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it just sucks. There's there's already like precious few jobs in this field. Mm. So yeah, yeah. And when people who like really deserve those jobs don't have them, it, it makes me sad. It's it, it's it is totally like a GameStop thing, right? Because they're struggling mm -hmm. a lot, and. It, it, I mean, I, I don't know how Game Informer's traffic do, is doing, but it seems pretty well, but it, it's so tied to that, I mean, that magazine, right? Yeah, and if no one's stuff is does really well. Yeah, mm -hmm. and if, like, no one's coming to GameStop, they're not going to subscribe to the magazine, so they're probably not going to be paying, what, the 
the $20 a year or whatever it might be for that subscription. You get mm-hmm. that subscription thrown in with... With Pro or yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, thing is. Yeah. yeah. Which is a bummer because, man, I still... Game Informer. I remember getting that magazine yeah. through, I don't know, since I was probably like 11 or 12. Right. Going, uh, at the end of the month, I think it was the end of the month, every month or the beginning of the month, I'd always be checking the mail every single day to see if I'd get my Game Informer magazine to see what, what the scoop was. I loved when they switched over to those very minimal covers, yeah. like old magazine covers, you know, like text, and you're just throwing as very much busy, at you as yeah. possible. And yeah, they were just like, those covers are gorgeous. One image, and it, oh, they look so good. And I was like, man, like, I just I, I loved that they they were free to do that because they worked you know uh, mm-hmm. under GameStop so they could just do that. I don't know if it's by virtue of being a, a magazine, but the exclusives they got were so like the fact that Game Informer got to go to Game Freak. Mm-hmm. Ga- like Japanese developers do not like you poking around like that. That is still so incredible to me, and like the people there do such a good job with those opportunities. Mm. Yeah, I imagine. Once again, working for GameStop, you get a lot of those opportunities, right? Because GameStop is selling these games and they're already making deals about how much, how many, how many units they're going to buy, whatever, how much stock they're going to buy for, you know, games like Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So it makes it much easier for them to, maybe not easy, it's still probably very tough to get those exclusives, but they have a direct line, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they get a lot of those cool exclusives. But yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yep. I hope everyone lands on their feet. It's difficult to segue into the I know. next one. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I it. I yeah. can... You saw me look down. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jeff Keeley. <laughs> let's, just, let's just break that ice Geoff, right now. Geoff Keeley. Geoff Keeley. Gamescom. Yeah. So another thing that's been going on this week is Gamescom. It's Which Gamescom. We, we have people over at Gamescom. Oscar and Phil. Mm-hmm. And uh, a pretty small crew, right? That's got to be. Dude, I've. I've been to seven games. Yeah. And is this the first year you're not, or mm, not? Yeah. The f- this is the first time I'm skipping. So I was talking about okay. this on the, uh, on the bombcast yesterday and watching Gamescom go from 2012, 2013, when, you know, EA had a press conference, Sony had a huge thing. Microsoft did as well. I think, God, did Nintendo? I don't remember. They kind of, I mean, they kind of did this year. They had their yeah. Nindy direct, but, but like yeah. having an actual presence out in Germany and then going from the last couple of years, which has just been bugger all. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> sorry, it took no. me a second to process. <laughs> I want to translate that into American English. Uh, it, she just meant it's been, it's been nothing. It's been, nothing. been jack shit. <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's always been like, you see the game revealed for the first time at E3. And then as a site like ours, we would have that footage on site and on YouTube. And then it's hands-on at Gamescom. So for us, it's like, well, that's doubling up because we already have it. And there's, you know, occasionally you will get a big drop at Gamescom. I remember, actually, I remember a few years ago when they just randomly announced Metal Gear Survive. Oh, uh, really? oh God. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they, they went in depth with Scalebound a couple of years ago. Dude, Both big, I was big there. games. Yeah. I was there. I came up on my Facebook memories, actually, the other day. Of, um, so excited for Scalebound. Can't no, no, no. wait. No, no, no. So, oh, no. no. If you Google Hideki Kamiya waifu, it is a picture of me and him. Because, yeah, I mean, John Luke's doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I was really excited for Scalebound, and Okami is probably my favorite game of all time. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in the session. Kamiya san is going to be there. I can meet him. 
That was the year that he was carrying around a stamp of his own face. That oh, said, my God, it is you. Yeah. <laughs> a stamp of his own face that said, you've been blocked by Hideki. <laughs> and so I'm, I got to meet him and he blocked me because uh, he loves to block people. Into it, and so I have like a stamp on my hand. Um, so that came up. So that's that's my fondest Gamescom memory. Anyway, mm. but covering it as a show is very difficult because there's not that much there. Um, also, logistically, there's a lot of ground to cover, right? <laughs> yeah, and logistically, you know, like at E3, we have a war room. We've got a dedicated, uh, like strong, reliable internet connection. Whereas in Gamescom, we have nowhere to sit. You sit on the floor in the um, like the big gangway in the business center. Or you go to a booth like EA. EA is good. They have good Wi-Fi and they have good seats and, and coffee. Um, mm-hmm. uh, or you go back to your hotel and you slowly but surely upload footage. And a lot of the times nowadays, obviously, you have to capture in 4K because mm-hmm. 4K, you want to be able to put that video up on YouTube. Bro. And like, that takes even longer. to. That takes forever. So covering it is difficult. And Unless just... you're a writer, because there's no delay in publishing a yeah. article. <laughs> a video. That's why we only sent writers yeah. Yeah. who are trying to transfer footage right now. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, they are. And so it's a frustrating show to cover, but at the same time, it's just really nice because there's a sense of camaraderie at Gamescom that's like no other show because there's this business center. So if you have a booth on the main floor, you have a little office booth, but just for business meetings and press. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a show within the show. And so I miss that. I miss going around and just seeing all the people from the UK or the European offices who mm. don't get to see all the time. I just, I always hear about people going to German bars. And the Irish bar, the Corconi. The people going to the Irish bar <laughs> the Ir- in The Cologne. Irish bar in Germany. Yeah. I heard one of my favorite stories is um, a waitress, somebody's being like, oh, I don't want any more beer. And the waitress brought out a glass of milk and said, milk for the baby. Oh, yeah. That was last year. <laughs> Um, oh, and that's one of my favorite stories uh, via my roommate, Max Scofield. Yeah, was, that, <laughs> was that Gav? I, uh, I know who it was, I won't say. Um, yeah, and there's just like really weird things. Like there's a puppet bar opposite the Irish bar. I've heard about the puppet bar. Which is awful, and it's the hottest place in Cologne. I've heard the worst things about the puppet mm, bar. It, what, what, is, what is this? So you put like a euro in the machine. And these terrifying puppets just start playing Oompa music. So they'll start playing. Uh, there's one that I really like, and it's a Sex Bomb by Tom, Tom Jones. And these terrifying puppets will just start playing it. And everyone is, you know, five cultures deep after a really long day at Gamescom. And just, mm-hmm. it's a lot. The I thing, miss that place. <laughs> I really want to go to Gamescom once because the thing I hear about German bars is that they will just keep refilling your beer. Yes. Unless you like explicitly tell them to stop. Yeah. Yeah. So I, when I studied abroad in Germany, we went to a beer garden that. There is one in the convention center. Perfect. <laughs> it's great. Uh, but, but I was studying abroad and a lot of people weren't like, I, I, I don't know. It, it was kind of awkward, right? Cause our drinking age is 21. There's is 16, right? 18, 16, uh, somewhere around there. I think it'd be 18. 18. 18 in the UK. Okay. Uh, and we went we went to a beer garden that was like they were like it's a traditional beer garden and there's going to be dancing and all that kind of stuff and oh did you have the the ladies dressed up yep yeah, yeah. yeah all that yeah. and they just started <laughs> serving beer uh and immediately the the teachers who were there froze up they were like wait some of these people can't have beer they like signed something saying that they wouldn't drink oh. with the so so there was this really awkward 
situation where the teacher was trying to like tell the them not to keep bringing beer. They're like more beer, more beer. They <laughs> kept bringing us beer, and of course, I'm I was 21 at the time, so I was just down yeah. in beer, <laughs> and. <laughs> and eventually they talked to him and she's like oh okay i guess no more beer and then just brought us like diet coke the entire time oh, man. <laughs> they like don't know from what i've heard they don't know what to do with you if you aren't drinking beer. yeah and, and i yeah. think one of the teachers got in trouble and and he ended up just being like you know what we're in this this is part of their culture they're drinking beer whatever yeah <laughs> no I mean, one got hurt it's legal here it. yeah on the on in mainland europe there's a much a more relaxed attitude to drinking alcohol you know if you're in france and you're a kid you will get a glass a small glass mm -hmm. of wine um and actually to be fair drinking culture in the uk is very relaxed too so yeah. i we're taking like we're like really on a cool tangent i like <laughs> yeah. this but i do want to say that i feel like like i remember when i was in college the the biggest week for the hospital was the the week that the freshmen came. Oh, because yeah. do you everyone it, would get alcohol poisoning. Do you call it Freshers' Week? Uh, no. Oh, so we do in the UK. And a guy that I lived with, um, got alcohol poisoning, started vomiting up blood. Oh, because Jesus. he drank two full bottles of vodka within about two days. Oh my god! It's a good idea. So yeah. my point saying that is that American college students don't learn how to drink in a safe environment like their parents house because we're not allowed to drink so you get to college where oh, somebody gets you, you alcohol loose. and well yep. especially like i went to berkeley which is like just the nerdiest of the nerds go there mm. and i i was i'm talking about myself as well in that we're like people these are people who have never been to a party Oof. like in their I, I had never been to a party when i went to college and look at me now so i, I grew <laughs> up in the, in the northeast of england which is um uh, well, <laughs> let, how, how do you explain it? So, like, alcohol is extremely cheap there. I was baby faced, hopefully, still am. <laughs> um, but no, like, and so growing up, we would go out clubbing from 16, 15, 16. Yeah. And I had, so, when we got to uni, we were like seasoned. We could drink. Yeah. Versus, like, I think in the US, a lot of students in college are just like, I don't know how to drink properly. I was lucky because my mom has a bartending certification. And what? she, I helped her study for her exam. So I knew what was in every drink. <laughs> Which is. I was like, because you helped her study. Like, what, by drinking it? No, no, no. I was just like, I'd be like, what's in a white Russian? And she'd be like, this isn't this. And I'd be like, that's correct. And oh. I, I was the answer key. Thanks. So I learned about it. <laughs> Anyway, you drink a lot of Gamescom, is what we're saying. That's what we're saying. Yeah, Germany sounds dope. It's great. Anyway, Jeff Keeley and Hideo Kojima. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you think they've been drinking this week? Who knows? Oh. Who could ever know? Jean Luc, really, you wanted to talk about this because, and I think a lot of people <laughs> have, have have things to say. Well, but there is that unspoken <laughs> Jeff Keeley Hideo Kojima relationship that kind of goes through ebbs and flow like it you know ups and downs nice at least from on our again off again yeah. i mean i wanted to bring it up because it's like the big the big thing death this week stranding, they showed yeah. a, a ton of death stranding at the uh peeing gameplay peeing yeah. gameplay that yeah. gameplay was so boring <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm very excited for that game but nothing happened ha have you watched the mario uh the 
is Death Stranding 64 where they just add like Mario 64 sound effects over it. Made it made it that ten sounds, times that ten really times good. better. Wait, <laughs> Jake, did you leave the memes channel? I did. Leave oh yeah, he left that like why. forever ago. Yeah. yeah, he wrote he wrote Yeet and then left <laughs> yeah. the channel. Yeah. Um, but I, I have a suspicion about Death Stranding. I think it's going to be similar to Red Dead and that a lot of people it's going to connect with a lot of people and a lot of people it won't connect with because it'll be very oddly slow paced. You'll mm. be doing lots of weird things. There's probably going to be way too many animations. <laughs> I want, that, that, that's I all want I got. That's all I got. But I, I, more I, pissing animations. See, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, like Red Dead, where they painstakingly animated the horse balls, Kojima has, has no, animated peeing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Norman Reedus's balls. <laughs> <laughs> Do you I think like he had Norman did. Reedus like... <laughs> No. Pee in the like mocap suit or like. No. I imagine he had him mime it out. <laughs> no, I was just I saying. See that behind the scenes. I wasn't making a balls connection. I was just saying that like similarly useless but painstakingly animated. Right. <laughs> but would I put it past him putting Norman Reedus's balls in the game? No, I would not be shocked if you told me that his balls were in the game. I'd be like that. I wonder if that was like in the contract. Uh, in the contract somewhere, like you may not animate Norman Reedus's balls in this game. You never oh, know. What like um, what'd you call her from Detroit? Was it no, not Detroit? No, no, um, no it was uh, Beyond, uh, Beyond, Two, Beyond Souls. Two Souls. Yeah, where she was oh, like, you can her. stand me, but you can't make a naked model of me in the game. And then lo and behold, they made a naked model mm. of her. In the game, and, and then it got leaked. And then it got leaked. <laughs> and then they sued. Yeah, I remember that. What was her name again? Ellen Page. There you go. The one. Yeah. This is Gay why icon. no one takes video games seriously. Gay icon Ellen Page. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> one of the two powerful gay Ellens. Uh, In addition to Ellen the Generous. <laughs> anyway, Jean-Luc, you have been talking about uh, the... The presentation. Little, the little, little Hideo montage that we yeah, got hit it, with before. So, well, the, first off, halfway through it, because you guys haven't... You guys didn't weren't here for that, right? You, like I don't think Callie. Yeah, you we were in. No, I watched it, it, but I missed the. DC, yeah. I yeah. was working from home. I remember you were like at least on Slack because I remember I we were all blowing up about how weird it was. Um, at the beginning, he he caps off the whole thing. It's like this dramatic like lighting, and then he he plays this like two minute tribute video mm. to like all the previous times where Kojima has like shown up to talk yeah. about Death Stranding. It's like that opening. It's like the opening of Spider-Man Homecoming where they have like the, the, the YouTube tribute the, video. The kids' news. The, for the kids' news. Yeah. It was so just bizarre in a way that it, it like speaks to me where I, I feel I feel bad for all the other people who are working on that game. Where yeah. I feel like I feel like they, we were putting so much stock into Kojima. And I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve like as the auteur yeah, yeah but but it's just like he's, he's a man who makes video games i don't know like it's it's a bit weird and then there's the whole thing where it's like i get it as like if i was doing that kind of presentation i would be like yes death stranding's like this huge game we should devote a ton of time to it mm. it's a little weird when you put a huge amount of your presentation into something that you are good friends with the person and also he put you in the game i think that's yeah, I also think just though, a little weird. It is weird, and I think it's because Jeff ex exists in a weird space. Yeah, he's yeah. Not, he is he, in a very weird space. He was a journalist, and now he's 
an, a journalist and personality. And I think now he's moved more into the personality phase and he can has, but he still has the clout from his journalist days to be able to put on a show like the, uh, the game awards and, you know, opening night at Gamescom and the YouTube stuff that he does at E3. And so I think that's super cool. And maybe it's just because the line is now so blurred that you don't really know like what, how to categorize him, yeah. right? I mean, like I wouldn't, I don't think of him as a journalist and that's not a negative. Like I don't think being no. a journali- journalist is the holiest thing you can do. I, mean, I don't right. think I'm a journalist. I mean, I mean like yeah. it's, it's not as weird. It's less weird to me that he is in Death Stranding than the time that, they put Jessica Chobot in Mass Effect 3, but she was still working at IGN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, oh, yes, yeah. yes. Like, like, that's a line. There's weird lines there, for sure. I, like, I don't consider myself, like, I consider myself a critic more than a journalist. Anyway, I the yeah. conversation conversation about, like, journalism in the gaming space irritates me to no end. Right. It's like, I am a video producer, my dude. I have never yeah, been a journalist. Well, like, yeah. there's this attitude that, like, the only good thing to be is a journalist, and it's like, there's plenty of other ways to cover like not every sports commentator is a sports journalist mm-hmm. you know like some people are personalities within the you know announcing space for example yeah so and, and it's like jeff Keeley. you know what he's like a big presence people know who he is he's able to get you know we make fun of like exclusives and world premieres but it's like he's able to get those yeah. and people pay attention to that and it's yeah. like that's no valuable but i still it's gonna be weird playing that game and seeing him in it but it's not voiced by him either. That's the thing that's yeah, going to be weird. Matthew Mercer. It's Matt Mercer. None of those characters, except for Norman Reedus, the rest like that are based on real people are voiced mm. by voice actors. Oh, yeah, even yeah, like Del actors. Toro, right? Yeah, yeah even... Del Toro. Uh, uh, oh, Winding Refn isn't. Um, I don't oh, think that he he's voiced. Uh, Can't wait actually, to see Edgar that... Wright pop up. Yeah, right. But I, I, sorry, there are a couple people <laughs> who are in fact voiced by their that's, actor yeah. counterpart. But I know... Actually, I, Mads I don't Mikkelsen know about probably. <laughs> yeah, Mads Mikkelsen, of course. Yeah, but anyway, it's definitely it was definitely like a. I think I think it kind thing. of, to me, it spoke to me about how weird a show Gamescom is now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just you know that this presentation was super cool to have games like Erica, um, you know, have a platform and a place to announce and a all ton that stuff. of like five X and like sim management games they had like a yeah. whole like 10 minute section where yeah, there was like Kerbal five Space program too yeah mm-hmm. and just like all these like weird small management games so they had a lot of really cool stuff that was i like... was surprised that need for speed was there though i was amazed why was that not announced at ea's showcase at e3 i know because they had literally nothing oh, to yeah. talk about other than star wars yeah and, and and i guess it's just like i think it's just endemic of the fact that we are in a weird space where new consoles are coming mm-hmm. and we're going to hear all about them next year. And it's just, you know, it's 2012 all over again. Where we're just kind of waiting. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's this weird lull. Is uh, a little off tangent. Is, is Sony doing PlayStation experience this year? I know they didn't do it last year. I don't think they've announced anything. But I feel like everyone is under the assumption they're doing it because yeah. they skipped E3. Unless, unless they do what they did when they announced the PS4, they had like that. Oh, they, they had that event, event, right? Event. And the PlayStation that event. Yeah. And that was like uh, in January that I think, was, of that year. I remember exactly when that was. That was February, oh, February 2013 because I was just about to get on a plane and I saw half of it and then I had to board and Adam Mason, who works my UK office, was behind me in the uh, the line. And so he still had access to Wi-Fi and he came in and he fed me a bunch of lies. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I was, and then we flew all the way back. We were in Boston, and we flew all the way back. And I, was, I can't remember what some of them were, but they were just like fake games, fake news. And I was like, oh my god, I can't believe. Um, this is unreal. Final yeah. uh, Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kingdom we, Hearts three. I can't what? believe it. And then we landed, and he and I checked my phone. I was like, you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good Russell. An excellent Russell. A, a top tier Russell. We got a lot of listener questions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first one we had we had last week, but I want to do it again because we had a different cast last week, mm-hmm. and since you guys will probably be on more than Jess and Dave, you mean uh, we're not going to fly them in from no, the UK and Sydney? Uh, I figured we'd ask this again, and this comes from Chris from Dayton, Ohio. He says, "Hey guys and gals, love the first episode. Given you're a new podcast, and I personally." Have not the slightest clue who you all are. Love that. (laughs) Yeah. What are each of your chosen genres? Do you have games that you return to regularly? Do you have specific types of games that you're guaranteed to play whenever a new one is released? Jean-Luc, why don't you take it away? Oh, man. Um, I'm definitely... I've always considered myself like a a fast food uh, consumer of video games where I kind of just like try everything i feel like Ooh. like a jack-in-the-box you just like give it Ooh, all to me a dollar menu yeah exactly um but i feel like the ones that i always gravitate to are are sort of those like big like old bioware rpgs mm. very story heavy mm. witcher gotta look into greedfall i'm telling you greedfall you were telling me about yep. that uh outer outer worlds i'm so excited for mm. um because Man, it's kind of been a while since we've had one of those one of those games. I feel like so. Um, those are probably the ones that I think just like I see that and I'm like, yes, I want to play that. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, I am Lucy. Yeah, you don't know who I am, so I'm Lucy. I was in the UK <laughs> office and now I'm in the US office. Can uh, hardly tell you're losing your accent. <laughs> don't tell my mom. Um, but I agree. I I enjoy like the really hard hitting story stuff. So I prefer things like. I love a good Bioware RPG. Mm-hmm. I love things like The Witcher. Now that I finally finished it, I can't stop thinking about it. But I also yeah. dip my toe into Japanese games, particularly things like Persona. I really oh, enjoy. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge in a Persona. Yeah, same with John Luke. And I, I would say that the games that I return to, that, I mean, there's Overwatch, which for me is like a comfort game because I've put so many hours into it. But like when I just can't think of th- something to play, I will pick up Overwatch and just play a few games. And then that sates me either that or doing a picross on my phone oh i love picross but i love story driven narratives i don't like things that are like we said with ancestors earlier i don't like things that are too open-ended i like rpgs i like quests i like feeling like i'm making a difference mm-hmm. in games but also in life <laughs> <laughs> again looked directly yeah, into my I didn't eyes mean to do that. <laughs> uh callie what are you um, I'm a little different. I like min-maxing. I like menus. I like strategy. Um, so I really like like Civilization, SimCity, um, or like City Skylines, The Sims. I just like managing stuff. <laughs> um, people always think I really like JRPGs, but I actually don't like JRPGs a ton. I prefer Western RPGs. Mm. Um, I like like KOTOR. I really fell in love with RPGs with KOTOR. Um, obviously I, I like Pokemon a whole lot, but, uh, Pokemon is just Pokemon. It's not even like, I don't think of it as a JRPG or anything like that. But the thing I, the thing I liked about KOTOR was like setting my stats and my, my backstory, stuff like that. Right. Like a real old school, like Dungeons and Dragons games where it's super meticular, like about 
your stats and stuff mm. like that. Yeah, so I'm really excited for Cyberpunk for that reason. Oh yeah. Um, just because I'm like I'm gonna spend an hour plus on that character creator. Games that I return to regularly. Uh, I I play this. I get like Sims cravings. Yeah. I don't know about you. I like I will just be struck with like I need to play The Sims for eight hours. I and did then, that a couple mm. Christmases ago. Yeah, and then I do it. Um. One like curveballs that I I really like Banjo Kazooie because I grew up playing that with my mom. Not a big platformer person outside of that, mm. but I could play Banjo because I play it like at least once a year. I've beaten it like so many times, at least at least thirty times in my life. Um, yeah, it might even speedrun it. For extra life. I was thinking about that. I was yeah. thinking I was thinking about speedrunning it. I'd have to practice, but um, speedrunning it for extra life. Um, and then. I'm always guaranteed. I love farm simulators. Oh, Specifically, yeah. love I love that pastoral lifestyle. I love thinking about escaping the city. I was gonna say that you can't get because you live in the city. Yeah, because I live in a city. Um, and then oh, and like I I should mention I I play a lot of shooters. It's it's not something that like I feel like I was taught to like shooters. So my dad really likes shooters. Mm. Um, so I play a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Halo makes me cry. I love it. The music makes me actually cry. Um. But I'm not like, like I don't have the same like draw the way I do towards like a, mm. you know, I'm managing a city or I'm, I'm building a civilization or you know, it's um, a different sense of accomplishment. Yeah, very different. But I do. I like. There was a period of time where I would come home and I, for some reason, played a ton of Black Ops Three multiplayer. Mm. And I come home and I play a few rounds of Black Ops Three multiplayer, hardcore because um. My dad makes me play on hardcore instead of core. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I had friends in high school and they'd always want to play on hardcore. And There's I no hard. It. It's way better. I hate it. It's way better. I probably like it more now that I've played so much Siege. Mm. But I remember at the time I was like, there's a reason why this isn't the main game type. Mm-hmm. We should not play this. We should play the regular type. And especially because uh, it, like... I don't know. I guess it makes it obvious when people are screen cheating too, because we do split screen hardcore. Mm. And that's how I always felt about SWAT and Halo. Because uh, it's like there's only the two weapons. The whole point is that you have the multiple weapons and the yeah. Yeah, the it, combat chests. Like I like the needler. I like weird shit. SWAT was <laughs> SWAT was like a fun way to kill time for a little bit. You're like, oh, I feel like playing a couple rounds of SWAT SWAT, but then you'd always want to go back to the, the core. Exactly. Yeah. At least in this is my opinion. But I had friends who only wanted to play SWAT. Shoddy snipers all day. <laughs> Yeah, I I like to I liked using rocket launchers because I liked blowing shit up. <laughs> um, and oh, uh, I really like Galaga. Whenever I go to an arcade, I have to play Galaga. Yes, Ooh. you're very good at Galaga too. I had a lot of practice because there's a Galaga machine at my brother's batting cages when he played oh. baseball. Anyway, well, I'm Callie. That's me. <laughs> well, I talked about what I played last week, so I'm not going to go over it again. But we're going to go on to a question from Liam. Don't worry, Liam. We didn't forget about you. Uh, he sent this in last week, but I figured it'd make more sense to read it here. Uh, Callie, why don't you read this one? All right. Greetings, ladies and gents. Typing this is a surreal moment for me as I haven't been an active member of the GameSpot community since one Jeff Gersman's final days at the site 12 years ago, but I have been watching the content you've all been producing from all the long E3 day streams, GameSpot of Thrones, and most recently after watching tons of EVO myself, Persia's excellent video with the EVO 2019 Street Fighter V champion. I heard about this podcast during Callie's and Michael's appearance on the Giant Bombcast last week, and here I am. Shout out to the correct, he put it, he put it, the possessive on both of our names. Oh, Very is that good. how you do it? That's how you're supposed to do it. 
I work in video, man. I don't know, <laughs> There's a new release in the cinemas here in the UK this week. It seems you're all familiar with it. It's everyone's favorite foot fetish blockbuster, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's been on my radar for a while, and I was interested to hear what made it newsworthy to bring it up on the podcast. So I underline that because I want to stop you right there. Uh, there's nothing newsworthy. We were just talking about what we had been, done, what we had been yeah. doing that week, and uh, I brought up Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. And we that spun us on the foot tangent. Anyway, talks a lot about feet. The news I had been following was the Bruce Lee news that circulated around the net last week. That would be two weeks ago now. For context, I was very pleased for actor and martial artist Mike Moe when it was announced that he had gotten the role of Bruce Lee in a Quentin Tarantino film. Moe did an amazing job as Ryu in Street Fighter, Assassin's Fist, the only live-action video game adaptation I will ever watch simply on its merit. However, I was saddened to read the aforementioned news that Bruce Lee's daughter, Shannon Lee, had criticized the film, describing the pro portrayal of her father as quote an arrogant asshole who was full of hot air and saying quote i understand they want to make the brad pitt character this super badass who could beat up bruce lee but they didn't need to treat him in the way that white hollywood did when he was alive end quote what did you think of tarantino's take on the martial artist and philosopher thanks have a good show p.s blue lines for life hell yeah liam I want to give a quick shout out. He mentioned Persia's um, Street Fighter mm. uh, champion video. Uh, Max actually had a huge involvement in that yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. He was there helping her uh, record it, and then he like edited that all together. So I just want to give a shout out to Max because he did a really yeah. good job on nice. that video. Yeah. Um, I could I could take this because yeah, I don't know where to start on this. <laughs> yeah. So the my understanding is that like yeah, Bruce Lee's portrayal in the movie was supposed to be in that Tarantino style, kind of over the top. Mm. Um, but the, I think the problem comes down to Bruce Lee was a real person and Brad Pitt's character wasn't. Yeah, And I think you could still have the same effect from that scene if it had been done a little bit differently. Like it's a flashback scene where Bruce Lee is, you know, like being a braggart and talking about how his f fists are lethal weapons mm. and all this stuff. And the, and this, don't worry, this isn't like a spoiler for the film, but like uh, Brad Pitt's character ends up like just totally kicking his ass, mm -hmm. like just without contest. And it's very much done at the expense of Lee rather than the benefit of Brad Pitt's character. Yeah. Like the point of the scene is to establish that Brad Pitt's character can beat somebody up. Mm -hmm. It's important. Uh, he's a stuntman. But the way it's done is just like it, it's just this like mockery of Bruce Lee rather than like a parody. It's just yeah. the tone. It's not it, a celebration of him. And they have the scene later on where mm -hmm. he's training Sharon Tate. Yeah. And it felt like that was more respectful yes. to Bruce Lee rather than what this scene was. Yeah. And it's not like you have to be totally respectful to everyone who's ever lived and then died ever. But the way it was. It was just it was just odd. It was just an odd framing of that scene. Mm. It's like the one thing that really sticks out in that movie because I've seen arguments about Sharon Tate not being a fleshed out character. And there were aspects of that that kind of bothered me because you don't really hear a lot about Sharon Tate. You know Sharon Tate, the murder victim, not Sharon Tate, the person. Yeah. But like her character served a purpose in being not very characterized. Mm -hmm. Whereas Bruce Lee's character is just like just a very weird caricature. So I, I respect that his daughter like stood up and, and yeah and her point that like bruce lee had to work a lot harder mm -hmm. than white stuntmen mm -hmm. at that time i think that's indisputable um and so 
I think her issue with it is like that that man had to work so hard and then the whole point of that scene is but Brad Pitt kicks his ass, yeah. you know. I would be I'm when I watched the film I remember seeing in the credits with thanks to I think her name is Debbie Tate, Sharon's sister. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, I can't remember if I saw anyone from the Lee family in there. Oh. And so I would be interested to know if at all Quentin and the the crew of that movie approached the Lee estate in any way to talk about how he would be represented in the movie as they have clearly done with Sharon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know he didn't do it with everyone because some people were pretty annoyed with how he represented certain yeah. characters. But I, I feel like those conversations happened more before the film actually came yeah. out. Um, but still, what surprised me the most is that since it was a flashback, I don't know why they didn't lean more into that unreliable narrator. Mm. That would have been much yes, exactly. funnier, I'm sure. It would have been much funnier if they did that. It still would have established that he is like this, he can, he can still kick someone's ass. And that's kind of what I was expecting when I found out it was a flashback. Or, or mm -hmm. when you find out it was a flashback, it was like, I, I was expecting... A little more ridiculousness, mm. uh, but it kind of just played out in the same tone as the rest of the film. It was like too tame to be a good flashback, you know? Yeah. And, and the way it like even segued in that flashback was almost kind of confusing at first. It was. I wasn't quite sure it was a flashback. Mm, which is okay. Like, I don't mind the fact that they don't, you know, televise the fact that this is a flashback. Everyone, like, let's have a filter on it so it looks like a flashback. But mm. Still, I think if they lean more into that unreliable narrator, I think that would have been funny. It would have made um, a lot of sense with the character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then again, I'm not Quentin Tarantino, and I don't have nine really good films under my belt. Okay, Quentin Tarantino is not a flawless man. He's not, but, you know, he's got nine films produced that are all pretty dang good. That's fine. He also made Hateful Eight, so. That was a good movie. I like that movie. Okay. Yeah, I didn't see that. I'll defend that film. I, I like it. I don't very, think it's best, but I like it. Very boring movie. Anyway. Uh, and, um, oh, but, but like, yeah, I think there's multiple characters in that. Like, Mama Cass is briefly in that movie. Yeah. Uh, Steve Not McQueen. like the actual Mama Cass. Someone portraying, yeah, Steve McQueen. And so it's like, but they had such small parts. Yeah, I don't think Mama Cass really. Mama Cass was Mama just Cass standing was there, there, basically. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, uh, this is another question that we got a couple weeks ago but i saved for now because i figured it would make most sense to have callie on this <laughs> question anyway lucy why don't you read this next question for us sure this one's from errol he says with some pokemon fans disappointed by various aspects of sword and shield whether it's graphics na lack of national decks or just becoming tired of the series due to the last few games in general do you think people will pay more attention to pokemon's competitors and take them more seriously than they have in the past between Digimon receiving some Switch ports soon, as well as some brand new games, a Monster Rancher port, a new Dragon Quest Monsters game, a Nino Kuni remaster, Yokai Watch getting both a new title and a port on Switch, despite it not doing nearly as well as it used to financially, and upcoming indie games like Ooblets, Monster Crown, Monster Sanctuary, and plenty of others coming soon. I definitely think it's possible. I'm sure Pokemon will sell a ton like it always does, despite facing both new and old competitors. But I just wanted to know your thoughts on the matter. Enjoying the podcast so far. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Errol. This is a question for Callie. <laughs> Thanks, Errol. <laughs> um, yeah, I. So I think it's a, a fair question. I think there's a lot of Pokemon-like games or games that capture, if you will, the essence of what Pokemon is. But I, like Digimon, for example. Digimon has always been pitted against Pokemon, but Digimon and Pokemon are actually fundamentally very different. 
Um, so I don't consider them competitors. I just, mm. they play in the same general space. Yeah, but you like don't collect Digimon. The idea is you have the one Digimon that you like nurture, right? Isn't that the idea? At least well, in the show. Even just like the game style is very different. Mm. It's like a, you walk around in like 3D. It's more like, it's not like chibi. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more like at least the recent ones. Mm -hmm. um, very different style visually. Um, just a different gameplay. Um, Yokai Watch is really fizzling out, like especially oh, really? in the West. Yeah, Yokai Watch. Yokai like Watch was, was a. That. It never took off really to begin with. I feel like there was a moment. There was like a brief moment where everyone's but, like, "Oh man!" But Yo I feel like Watch. I feel like the moment was everyone being like, "Oh, this is going to be the next Pokemon," and then, was... then everyone's like checked it out because like it is next next Pokemon, and then it was like, "Yeah." It was big in Japan for like a summer, but. The last time I went to Japan, there's like no Yokai Watch stuff. Oh wow! Like Yokai Watch has definitely fizzled out. Still Pokemon stuff everywhere. Though. Pokemon is every. Well, I also went to several different Pokemon centers, so I, you know, <laughs> my sample size is <laughs> didn't go but, to the Yokai Watch store. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think, I think like some like I'm really excited for Ooblets, right? Mm. But Ooblets doesn't replace Pokemon for me, like. To me, I think people who are fans of Pokemon are fans of more than like what the game is on a mechanical level. Like I said earlier, like I'm not attracted to Pokemon because I really like, you know, what is traditionally thought of as a Japanese role-playing mm -hmm. game. I like Pokemon because of what the universe of Pokemon is. Yeah. Like Pokemon is an ecosystem. I think it has been for a very long time. Like Pokemon hit in the West as like a card game, an anime, a video game. Like it was this whole thing, right? Versus uh Pokemon or versus Yokai Watch being like, oh, it's an anime very clearly for, for children. It's, you know, a video game that's, I mean, Yokai Watch has its own merits, but yeah. yeah, I. It doesn't have the legacy and it's not as intrinsically tied, especially in the West. Like, you couldn't be a kid in the 90s without having Pokemon having a huge influence on your life. Yeah. Like, it was impossible to, to escape in yeah. a way. Like, yeah, it's just, not that legacy is the only thing that makes things good or attractive, but I also think the Pokemon company, like any Nintendo property, is very careful, mm -hmm. very, um, you know, very meticulous, takes a very steady approach with mm -hmm. those games. And like the la lack of a national dex in particular, like that's something people are being really whiny about. And I think it's just like grow up, like straight up. It. Mm. It's there's a lot of freaking Pokemon. There's so many Pokemon. Like just let let it be a little less overwhelming. Yeah. The the only one I can really speak to on here is Nino Kuni, uh, the remaster, which mm -hmm. does borrow a lot from Pokemon mm -hmm. in some regards. However, Nino Kuni two came out and they kind of dropped all of that. Nino Kuni. Yeah. <laughs> that's not to say that Nino Kuni one didn't work. I just don't really think they thought of it as. This is what these are what the Nino Kuni games are gonna be like. They're yeah. gonna be similar to Pokemon. I think they tried that mechanic for the first one, and and it worked. Like there was some really cool stuff you could do. There's even evolutions, and the way you'd catch was a little different, but you'd still have a party more or less. Um, and then Nino Kuni two came out, and they kind of just scrapped that turn sort of semi turn based gameplay approach. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the fact that they're remastering it is cool, but I don't really think that is. That that they're remastering it in order to get attention of people's disappointment of Pokemon or yeah. whatever in recent times. I think it's just because hey, a lot of people probably miss this game, and Switch is probably the perfect place yeah. 
to play this. Yeah, and like competitive Pokemon is not a big scene at all. I may think it's a very like dedicated smaller group of people, but like none of these have a competitive side, right? Mm. Like there's no like Yokai Watch meta. And also Yokai Watch, I think you fuse the Yokai, you don't like evolve them. But yeah. Anyway, shout out to Errol. Next one's from Michael. He says, hi, my name is Michael. I was wondering if y'all be able to talk about any updates on Beyond Good and Evil 2. Love the first podcast y'all put out. It rocks. Keep it up. This wasn't Michael Hyam. We wrote this. It in. wasn't Michael Hyam. Um, I don't I don't think we have any updates from Beyond Good and Evil 2. Ubisoft are doing streams they, where they show off Beyond Good and Evil 2. Yeah, not a lot. Though. And Usually I just it's like, don't know what it is. Yeah, it's like concept art or like animations strange i'm excited for that game because i feel like i should be because i wanted it for so long i was a huge fan of one and i've been asking for the sequel yeah. since they teased the sequel in 2000 i don't know 10 or whenever they decided to tease it maybe even before that uh actually i think it was before that yeah i'm struggling to be excited because i love the first game mm -hmm. and then seeing that cgi trailer with Paige and jade when they're broken down on the side of the road uh, and then, I think I've said this before, I can't remember if it was on an unreleased podcast and like a, a one that we did or if it was something we were talking about at E3, but what I'm seeing from Beyond Good and Evil 2 is not Beyond Good and Evil. Hmm. Yep. It, yeah. It doesn't speak to what I, as a, as a player, and I know this is very subjective, doesn't speak to what I experience mm. when I play that game and I'm struggling to see any connection to the original at all. It just seems like... And you remember, this was at the height of the Vivendi takeover stuff. They needed some goodwill in the community, and they've just announced a game and slapped the Beyond Good and Evil name on it. That's my opinion. But yeah. hey, Michelle Ansel, what happened to Wild as well? It's true. I don't think anyone's asking that, though. <laughs> that will be what I use this podcast for. That's, this is my platform. <laughs> what happened to Wild? What happened that's, to Wild? That's what we're going to call it. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm... I don't know. I'll play it when it comes out, and, I, and I'm still kind of following it here and there. Um, I hope it's really good. I hope it's cool. Mm. But, yeah, there's just so many questions. Yeah. That they're not answering either, which is the frustrating thing. And Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. Next one we have is... Hey, After Dark crew, let's say I'm a new writer at GameSpot and at my first big staff meeting, I'm asked to share something about myself. What gaming opinion could I share that would make as many of you dislike me as possible? <laughs> I love uh, this question. Thanks yeah. and love the show. Kevin from West Hartford, Connecticut. Thank you for sending this in. This is a very good question. Gaming I've actually opinion. Been, I've been thinking about this for a while and I don't actually know. There are things that I could think of, but I don't think I should share them on the podcast. I think, yeah, if we got more political with it, we could probably come up with any, but I don't well, want to yeah, go there. Not, not even, like, not even mm. like political in terms of, you know, politics. Oh, but no, I no, no, like, I didn't mean that. I meant yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like people. Like yeah. People in the industry and stuff. Like if there's certain people you liked or whatever, it might not be the best thing to share. But man, in terms of gaming opinion. Because we have a very mixed bunch of in terms of people who like mm -hmm. their likes, their dislikes. And the thing is, like, we all get on because we all like games. Oh, well. I know. Oh, here we go. Big fan of David Cage games. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, right, no, yeah. Jess likes David Cage Oh, okay. Games. All right. So I guess that doesn't well, okay. check out then. She's the outlier. Maybe big fan of the game style, but if you're specifically like, I'm a big fan of David Cage, yeah. I'd be oh, like, hmm. Really? Like, huh. So, I, yeah, that's a good one. I think uh, maybe... 
Like, oh, it's, we have it's, a lot of anime fans. Maybe if you were like, I think all anime games are bad. You'd get a lot of people being no like, anime. hold on. No anime. Except Jake. <laughs> He's a, he dug Fire Emblem. He's fine. Oh, yeah. Um, a bad gaming opinion. Like, maybe. Oh, I know. I like loot boxes. <laughs> okay, but that's like, okay, that's so like, like everyone. It's not yeah, GameSpot specific. But I'm saying if I, someone came in and said that, I think everyone would be like, uh, who is this guy? I still pay for Overwatch loot boxes. I hate myself. <laughs> um, I think if you were like a PC master race person, you wouldn't yeah. get on here yeah. because we're all very I think accepting. Just, I think just being a specific platform evangelist and hating other platforms because they're not your platform, that would yeah. raise eyebrows. That I, would not get I did fun. get some comments on my Witcher switch video they were saying one person in particular was like get off your high your pc high horse no one cares about all this and i was like i i played most of it on ps4 i just yeah. i'm just <laughs> covering my opinion. bases because the the pc people will come at me with well it's not actually on pc it runs much better and it's like yeah we know i'm just <laughs> yeah. describing the stark differences between pc and what you're gonna get on switch yeah i mean it's it's fair to like something and i don't like hating on people for liking something but if you like something to the extent that that is your whole personality and that is your entire lifeblood that and but to the fact to the detriment and the fact that you will put down other platforms because they're not the thing that you like mm -hmm. i find that baffling it doesn't make any sense to me i you gotta you gotta look dig deep look inside yourself find a personality and nurture it if you're gonna be what? like if that's if you get threatened by people not liking your platform, you know, like that's yeah, that's a that's a like I want to help you because you shouldn't be that insecure. Yeah, that same thing. Just like if if your opinion, if, if the thing that you're trying to say about yourself is that you feel superior or like mm. don't like something, like I'm just like why positivity? I like yeah. positivity. Ooh. I know, on the editorial team, if you came in and said you didn't think the Oxford comma was necessary, <laughs> everyone on editorial would be like, get out. On the video team, no, I use Final Cut. Sony Vegas. <laughs> Big fan of Sony Vegas. There are people uh, who, who do use Final Cut. Oh. On our team? Yeah, for a while, the Australian <laughs> office. I think, oh, I was, I think the Jess UK is learning did. Premiere. Um, yeah, the UK office did for a while too, right? Yeah, but we, were, we changed uh, 20... 13, 14. But yeah, it was, I only used Final Cut. Yeah, at least on the, oh, because you'd mess with our workflow a bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, we really believe in the Oxford comma. It doesn't always matter, but when it does, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question, but it's also really difficult. I know. I, I was I thinking about this for a this while. I was, I was having trouble. I think we got some good ones, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, final question. This is one we just got hot off the press. The that email word. press. The email hot press. The, e the presses. The e-press. The e-press. Hello, After Dark crew. Love the podcast, and y'all are freaking great. Thank Aww, you. Thank you. I'm fairly new when it comes to video games. I'm a senior in college and just got a PS4. Well, not just got. I've had it for a little more than a year now, which is technically my first. Which is technically my first console. Uh, I in in parentheses. I had an original Xbox when I was a kid, but basically only played Madden 04. Anyway, because I am new to the scene, I sort of have a weird question. How do you meet people who like video games? 
I'm not even sure that this is a question that can really be answered, but because I haven't been really into gaming, the people in my life aren't necessarily gamers. But after falling in love with games like The New God of War and Spider-Man, I'm finding that I really want to talk about games with people. Is gaming something that has become mainstream enough that I can just bring up when talking to people in an appropriate situation? Are there communities online that I should be aware of? I'm not really interested in multiplayer games, but should I be? This is from Nicholas. This, is a, a good, this is a good question. Wholesome question. Yeah. This is, we, when we got this email, we all collectively were like, what a good email we just got. <laughs> it's a... Uh... It's kind of a bummer you're you're already a senior in college, mm. although I guess you're just starting, so you do have a whole year, because uh, at least for me, like, my college was just a bunch of nerds, and it was a really great way to, mm. like, inevitably someone's going to have, a like, a video game club or, like, come to this tournament, and mm -hmm. it's just a good way to, like, meet other people and just talk to them, and you'll inevitably find someone who's also interested in games. I feel like colleges are just yeah. great places to, like meet people yeah the great like, thing about college is you're bound to find at least a couple of people as weird as you are <laughs> and i think don't be afraid to bring it up because gaming yeah. is so much more mainstream i think if, if you haven't necessarily been exposed to it because people aren't doing it that's a very different situation but i think if you just mention it like i imagine there might just be a few other people who are like oh i never thought you were into games so i didn't bring it up with you but Seriously, I've been playing xyz yeah I, I think like if someone says like what did you do this weekend be like oh i actually was playing uh, the new Spider-Man game, mm. and like if you're if you're talking to people who aren't like super up on games, like you could push new, mm -hmm. and you could say like the new God of War, and like to someone who's like playing a lot of games, mm -hmm. they'll understand what you mean. But also someone who isn't super versed in games will be like, oh, the most recent one, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I think too, both those games you mentioned are really cool to look at and fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel mm -hmm. like you could probably even if your friends aren't gamers, you'd be like. Hey, you know what? Uh, you should check out this new Spider-Man game. You may not like video games, but you sure do like Marvel and yeah. the Spider-Man movies. This might be your thing. And mm. like well, that game itself is just, yeah. it's a lot of fun to watch. It's even fun to figure out how to swing and all that kind of stuff. So when I was at university, my roommates weren't interested. One of my roommates was a gamer, but the others weren't. And L.A. Noir came out and they would all sit in my room and we would play through L.A. Noire with me controlling it, but us playing it like a procedural cop show because they would be like, oh, pick up that piece of evidence. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we'd interrogate people together. So maybe there's something you could do with a game like, I mean, maybe Man of Medan. I was about to say that. Yeah. We did that with Until Dawn in college. Until Man of Medan's a great one. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a way where it's not necessarily taxing for people who aren't used to games but it's still a really cool way for them to experience a story and experience what games have to offer if they're as if they're unfamiliar with it mm -hmm. um yeah. yeah i'd also add to you say you're not interested in multi multiplayer games but should i be uh i mean i think if you're not interested in multiplayer games i wouldn't force it however you could look into co-op games mm -hmm. like like people are talking about destinies and that might be a good one to do because mm -hmm. You can do that. You can do that in co-op. You can meet people, and you you don't have to play multiplayer, right? If you're tired of interacting with people and you just want to play by yourself, mm -hmm. you can totally do that too, and just see people in the world occasionally pop in. Yeah. Um. Another thing, like John Luke was mentioning, like somebody has a video game club. When I was in college, I took a video game class. Ooh. So, um, UC Berkeley has uh like student-led classes for like a unit, so you can complete your like unit minimum. Um. If you want, you can have fun. I took a Battlestar Galactica class through that program. I love that about you. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I took a Scrabble class through that program. Um, and so they're ones that were really popular. They're called decals because it's Cal or whatever. 
But um, looking to see if like you have something like that, an extracurricular activity mm. that you can do on campus, um, because you will meet a lot of people that way. And people who are willing to take a class on something like that are going to be like the friendly, more open minded people. Yeah. Um, except that for the people in my video game class who didn't think The Sims was a real game. That's whatever. Oh, what? um, Dang. I think that was that was quite a few years ago. So. I think people have perspective people changed. have have grown a lot. Well, one thing I do want to add is there's a Discord server for literally everything these days and I everyone. I was just about to really? say, mm -hmm. yeah. Find well, a community I'll... like I mean, from experience, the kind of funny community, the RKG community, like they have Discords and they're just really pleasant places to be. Subreddits mm -hmm. for particular Maybe games. Maybe we should make a Discord. I was about to say me and Ben <laughs> have been messing with the idea of making a discord i think part of the issue was that we needed to make sure we have um like people to like mm -hmm. mod it and make sure like yeah. which is a lot to ask but uh i think we type it we t i do have one made that we could eventually open up and i think if enough people are interested yeah uh let us know because like maybe we could finally start to let a few people in and and maybe mm -hmm. make that a thing yeah but yeah. you but i would say usually discord servers are pretty safe Bet if they're modded well because usually it, it's like youtube comments are pretty negative and it's usually hard to communicate with that in the discord server i feel like it's the people who are really interested in whatever that subject mm -hmm. is uh like i know no clip has a really good discord server yeah. um so does people make games which i think you brought up right oh i no, said so rkg, RKG and oh, kind okay of funny. okay yeah just kind of funny no, kind of funny subreddit yeah but rkg has a very nice Discord. Yeah. i was gonna bring up subreddits too like there's there's subreddits for games like individual mm. games right so if you wanted to go and talk about god of war on a subreddit you could find the god of war subreddit and talk to people be like hey i i've never played a god of war before but you know i really liked this one or you could do that really safely in the kind of funny subreddit for example yeah. like go in there and be like hey guys i'm new to games i would love to learn more yeah um so those are just a few com communities that I think we could all safely recommend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and mm -hmm. last thing, Nicholas, if you're just started playing games, I would highly recommend playing The Last of Us. Yes, play The Last of Us, especially if you like God of War, if you like Spider Man. Just that's get those Sony bet. exclusives. Bloodborne, yeah. play Bloodborne. Maybe I don't. Know if that, I don't know if that's a good beginner one, but it's one of my favorite games yeah, ever. So yeah, I feel like I have to just phenomenal. say, like, play it. Yeah, <laughs> might, might might be a tough one, but it's definitely worth it. Yeah, that's hard picking like, a game I would recommend to someone who doesn't play games, but. Last of Us, hundred percent. Oh, the Last of Us is so good. good. We're, I think, I think we're a pretty strong Last of Us contingent. That's all the questions we have. Thank you guys for joining. Woo! That was a Woo! long episode. It sure was, but it was fun. Yeah, I'm okay. gonna get ramen now. Ooh, Lucky you. I might get ramen too, actually. Uh, Jean Luc, are you working on anything? And where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, not working on anything. I can talk about, but next week, I'm gonna be at PAX West. Oh, so it's Jake. Jake's going to be at PAX. And oh, so we have a panel, too. We, we have a panel. We have that. a PAX panel. So I'm going to be there. Jake's going to be there. Michael Hyam and Alessandro Filari are going to be there. Uh, we have a panel at 11 on Sunday in the... Abby will be joining. Abby, um, Abby Russell, Russell, Russell from, from Giant, Giant Bomb will be, be there. As well. Along with uh, Ginny Wu, who is uh, one of our freelance <gasps> oh. writers from the AU. She's, yeah. our, uh, she's our Monster Hunter reviewer. Mm -hmm. In addition to other things, she reviewed uh, Final Fantasy XIV. That was a very good review. She's excellent. She used to be a lawyer. Whoa. Yeah. And yeah. she's not a lawyer anymore. She's writing about games. She's awesome. I was looking up a uh, Fire Emblem like uh, tips thing the other day. She and, works. And she does she work for Prima. Prima. And I was like, it's Ginny. It's Ginny. <laughs> yeah, that'll be at uh, 11 a.m. 
Sunday in the Cat Theater. So please wow. come by because uh, I think it's me and Jake's first panel yep. <laughs> ever. So we're like really nervous about it. I'm like, I hope people show up. It'll, It'll be, great. be great. Yeah. Lucy. Oh, um, I have nothing to plug yet. However, keep your eyes on GameSpot Universe. Uh, in the middle of September, we're launching a new show. Um, oh, I'm doing the Mindhunter video review, actually, yeah. with Greg from GameSpot Universe. So that should be live, I think, on Friday. We planned it out yesterday, sort of like prep for the shoot. We're going in depth. I'm bringing in my serial killer encyclopedia that Tamor got me for my birthday. We're going in. Yeah. Uh, but you can find I'm, me on Twitter, at least James Games. I was going to do... Oh, sorry. Oh, that's it. I'm just plugging myself. I was... Gross. I'm going to keep that in. I don't care. You should keep it in. I felt bad because I almost cut off your Twitter handle, but that was better. Anyway, I was going to say I was going to do that Mindhunter review with you, but I I had to be in... I had to be in DC for both <laughs> There's a lot of reviews coming up that you can't talk about, huh? There's a lot going on in my department. I'm doing a lot of project management, but uh, I will be writing more about Pokemon later this week. Should be up if all goes to plan by the time this podcast is live. So please look out for my Pokemon coverage because I want people to care about it as much as I do because it's a lot of fun and I love it. Um, I think that's really all that I have. I I don't think... I'll be reviewing anything big until Call of Duty. So I'm going to be just just doing all that assigning. In all that copy editing. All that min-maxing, but at work. So, <laughs> uh, And you can find me on Twitter at Inky Dojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. I love the song. I know. It's been a thing for years. I love it. Too. And I, well, I'll be, I'll be at PAX East, like, or PAX West. As Jean-Luc said. Um, Imagine if you turn up to the wrong... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, I, no one's here. The wrong coast. <laughs> and then some other things which are embargoed, so I can't talk about yet either. But next week, you'll see more of that. And you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Deck. And as always, email your questions at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com. So far, we've answered every single question we've gotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we may not be able to do that considering... <laughs> how long this podcast was but we'll see anyway thank you all and see you next week bye bye, bye.